What's up, you guys? Um, it's E to the podcast. Um, I'm glad to be back with you guys. Um, I kind of gave uh last week we didn't have a, a new episode, and I I kind of gave it a break on purpose because there's been a lot of perplexing things going on lately, <laughs> really baffling things going on lately, and um, since you know how I guys do, you know I never operate on sensationalism. I I try to wait till stories kind of come to their end to talk about them. You know, I don't like talking about shit while it's happening because, you know, I'd be like, oh, shit. When when something does happen, I'm like, oh, shit, I could have put that in the episode. So um, today we will be talking about um, the Botham Gene uh, trial and um, if he deserved, uh, if, if he got adequate justice or not. And um, we're also going to observe some other tidbits of that that just been released about the case so man yeah let's get right into this perplexing confusing situation but before we do um my question for today's episode is you know do you believe uh Botham Jean uh got adequate justice like um do you feel, feel like his sentence was um fair um and so, yeah, I want to hear what you guys say about that. And, of course, I'm going to give you guys my answer later on. But um, we're going to get into some um, other shit that came out uh, related to the case um, before we uh, get into, you know, why I feel this cop uh, got adequate justice or not for murdering Botham Jean. So um, let's just get right into it. So, of course, one of the most perplexing and baffling things about the whole trial is that the whole courtroom was black, but it didn't feel that way. <laughs> and what I mean by that, like, it is like, okay, you had a black judge, you had black, uh, you know, constables or justice, uh, whatever they call the people, uh, bailiffs. Um, who stand next to, I think they call them bailiffs or whatever. Anyway, you just had a lot of black people in the courtroom, and I think you had a majority of black jurors in the courtroom, and we'll get back to that uh, later. But, yeah, you had just all these black people in the courtroom, um, but it didn't feel black. Um, you had the bailiff, on the other hand, uh, literally combing through this cop's hair, who's on a murder trial <laughs> and it's just like what the freak like you you'll never see a bailiff combing uh the hair of uh shit i don't know uh though that guy who was trying to kill those cops in philadelphia you'll you you won't see that and and and, and you know I know a lot of you are going to be like, well, EJ Lee, you got to remember it was an accident. You know, yeah, I understand that. Uh, but even if, you know, um, a black person, uh, you know, accidentally killed someone or, you know, a black person, uh, let, let's say, for instance, Tay-K, you know, Tay-K, his murder, uh, when he murdered uh, some, someone, we, we, we got to understand he was charged for aggravated robbery, robbery, but he didn't pull the tr- trigger at all. He didn't pull the trigger at all, but nobody was combing through his hair. Nobody was like, you know, brushing through his hair, you know, you know, 
massaging his scalp. You know, no, you know, they they treated him like the criminal he's about to be. But of course, they're not going to treat this cop that way. Um, And then outside of that, you had the judge who was just, man, she practiced legal realism in the wrong ways. Like she 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 literally did everything in her power as a judge to make the sentence for her softer. And I'm not advocating for longer or shorter sentences for criminals. Um but we'll get to that, you know, when I'm when I uh explain if both and Jean had adequate justice or not. But it just goes back to like the judge was just practicing this legal realism for the, you know, cop who killed a an innocent civilian in his home. So, um one of the the uh i guess most popular things that came from the case was how quick or not really quick but how easy it was for the Bothing uh Jean Bothing Jean's family to forgive uh the cop for um her wrongdoings and um Oh yeah, by the way, um when when we're talking about any type of police brutality, I I will never say the cop's name who took the took the person's life um because I will never give co- those cops uh any more name recognition that they already get from the media. So, I yes, I know her name, but I'm just not going to say it. Um but with that, you just had just everybody in the courtroom being anti-black. And then on top of them being anti-black, you have both them, both them Jean's brother come out and say, you know, I, I, I forgive you. I forgive you. You know, I want you to devote your life to Christianity. I want you to give your life to God. And but I'll forgive you. And then uh, embraced her in a hug. And then her his dad even said on top of that, I hope to be friends with you one day. Now, look, what we can't do is take that away from them. And and that's I'm, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to take that away from them because, again, you know, that's an individual process. You know, I can't I have no right to tell them who they can and cannot forgive, you know. But I do you know, I do want to say this to, um, you know, Anybody who feels like they're required to forgive their uh, son's murderer or their brother's murderer because of their religion, stop it. You know, <laughs> stop it. You know, um, if the both if, if if the both them if both them Jean's family was coming from a sincere place, in which I feel like they were, but if they were coming from a sincere place, like I feel they that they were, and not really coming from a place of um, religious. Uh, uh, ideologues, like, you know, I feel like that'll be great, you know, because it means on their own terms, they forgave him. But a lot of times as Christians, um, even, you know, the family, uh, the families of the victims of, um, the Dylan Roof incident, uh, in the, with, uh, South Carolina in the, um, church, um, you had, you know, Christians who just believed, who, who, not so like I was saying, it's like even with the Dylan Roof incident, you see a lot of these um this 
this Christian black forgiveness in the face of white brutality. And it's just like, I hope you're not doing this because you feel like you have to, because God told you to do that. Because logically, and and I'm not promoting uh, disdain, I'm not promoting hate, I'm not promoting any type of dissension, but this is just for the Botham Gene family. Logically, if you're Botham, Botham Jean's dad or his brother, you guys had have every right to hate this woman. Have every right. <laughs> because the thing is, is that the reason why she was charged for a murder charge and not a manslaughter charge was because of her constant neglect in the situation. When... We're just talking about what went down in the situation. Everything was Amber... I'm sorry, but everything was that woman's fault. Everything was that woman's fault. So, for, for you know, if their family done this out of some Christian ideologue type shit, then they could throw it in the trash can. You know, because honestly... uh and this is nothing against Christianity, beautiful religion, and nothing against the black church, because the black church, it was the foundation for the civil rights movement. Um, But with that understanding that, you know, if you use, this is, the, the, the Bible has always been used in this way to make African Americans seem that they have to forgive the people who've done bad to them, and specifically their oppressor. You know, even if you go back to slavery, you know, that's what the Bible was used for. That's the only merit of reading that slaves had. And, you know, and it would always be the, that, those Peter scriptures where they would tell them, oh, well, um, you as a slave, you have to be obedient to your master, shits like that. So, you know, the, you know religion has always been used in the bad way to kind of pervert African-American thought. So it's just like, you know, and that kind of transcends to, 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 to today's time where we're quick to, you know, fight off white brutality with this sense of black forgiveness. You know, that, you know, I, I hope people don't do that because of, you know, people like Martin Luther King who taught us, you know, civil disobe- disobedience. Because, you know, even in that, Martin Luther King did that as a tactic to show how brutal these people are. And now I'm thinking, it's like, you know, well, Jalen, you just made my point. Both of them, Jean's brother forgave her and hugged her. Same thing with their parents, because they wanted to show how how kindness stood in the face of evil. You know, and that's what I thought, too, until afterward, after the case, both of them, Jean's mother said straight up, um, I do not like how the case went down. She said it straight up. She said, I do not like how the case went down. It it, it was corrupt. Um, But after this trial, I'm leaving Dallas. You guys will still have to be in Dallas. So you guys will still have to fight. And what she was doing, she was showing and she was saying without saying that yeah this police department is corrupt as fuck and that brings us to our next topic 
which is unfortunately um a, f- a few days back it was reported that Joshua ba- Joshua Brown uh Botham Jean's neighbor who testified against the cop who slain him um he was himself slain um he was on the way on his way home um walking and uh he was shot in the face and uh they brought him to the hospital and he died um with injuries um due to injuries and so you know of course everybody think it it was the Dallas Police Department or it was you know just just you know somebody inside the system and what what I want to say to those people who you know jump to this conspiracy theory that uh people inside the Dallas Police Department probably has something to do with it you know just this is what I want to tell people who are jumping to that conspiracy theory it's not a conspiracy theory <laughs> it's not a conspiracy theory you have a logical reason to think that way that that is a legitimate fear at this point that the Dallas Police Department was involved that you know you know the judicial system was involved that's a legitimate fear to have you know um and it kind of remind me of the whole Epstein thing when you know he just killed himself out of nowhere when he was supposed to be on suicide watch but they didn't put him on suicide watch because he wasn't looked at as a fear but just days before he was caught with harm or bodily harm and like they didn't put him on suicide watch and so one day Jeffrey Epstein just kills himself and people are like oh well somebody is up top probably killed him and then everybody were uh all the mainstream puppets were like oh no man Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself y'all just making conspiracy theories how's that <laughs> and that's the same thing for the situation it's like no that's legitimate concern we in audio you 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 hear the judge saying oh wow i'm surprised he even uh made it here with that smh look on her face like that disgusted look on her face and you can see while he was uh testifying she just had that disgusted look on her face you know and how she you know you know caressed and consoled the cop but treated this guy like he was a scum in the bottom of it. there's legitimate concern you know and don't i feel like it, it's but it, it's it's understandable because in our overton window when you think about what should be going on and what shouldn't be going going on this is some 1960s type shit. This is some shit that Rosa Parks and them went through, you know? And so a lot of times what we as, you know, you know, people try to do is we try to say, no, that's retrograde. You know, we're better than that now. That doesn't happen these days. But yes, that shit still happens these days. So, you know, don't to chalk this up as as a conspiracy theory would, would would be doubtish at best. This is more than a conspiracy theory, and there's legitimate concern in this case. You know, now I do feel like whoever did it wasn't hired to do it. I feel like whoever did it wanted to do it. Um, because the thing is, is you know, 
if you just want to stop somebody from moving, uh, you usually shoot them in like the body and you shoot, people usually shoot, and, and this is from Joe Navarro. This is not, you know, just Jalen saying this in Headspace, but um, from Joe Navarro, which was, which he was an FBI specialist, um, he said that usually when people want to, you know, a hit job and stop people from moving, they do that. They do a hit job. They 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 shoot them, uh, probably in their back, uh, and and then and then they'll shoot them in their heart. They they'll shoot them, or or they'll poison them, or you know, they'll do something that's inconspicuous so people won't know that it's them. And they they because at the end of the day, all they were hired to do was kill this person, but. He Joe Navarro, you know, then said, uh, but when a person is doing something out of the heat of passion, you know, they're not trying to stop you from moving. That person is trying to kill your voice. And that was just so powerful to me because, you know, when you get shot in the face, normally that's what happens. Um, even when you see what happened with RP, but when you happen with Nipsey Hussle, the guy shot him in the face. Because in that passion, you want to strip those people of their voice. So with that, I do feel like it was somebody, you know, who, who really wanted to do it. But, you know, if, whether if that person was part of the department or not, that's all. All of that is on the table. And, you know, what I'm not going to do is launch some, you know, uh, quasi investigation and, you know, tell you guys what I think, you know, because honestly, I don't know. But I just know that there's cause for concern. And with this case, when they handle this case, I, I feel like it should, it should be an independent investigation done by a federal agency, you know, just so people. Because, man, you know, ain't no telling what, you know black person they're gonna stick up there say killed that man. You know what I'm saying? Um and and you know it was just out, you know, by Sean King. Um Sean King just uh told us that um before the trial Joshua Brown was still getting, you know, some threats, you know. So that's why he was conflicted to even do that's what I'm saying, man. Like, ah, bro, just hearing myself talk about it. It's like, bro, this if anybody tries to tell Trout this up as a conspiracy theory, just ignore them. Like, I understand, like, if you just feel like it's not a conspiracy theory, but for you to, I mean, I, 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 let me reword that. I understand if you just don't believe that the police department actually enacted a hitman to do the job. I feel that. I feel that 100%. If you feel that way, but don't make it seem as if it's out of like it's out of we're out of touch. We're out of touch in reality and we watch too much TV. If the Dallas like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a it's a legitimate concern, basically. So um, I hope I really pray for the family of Joshua Brown. I know he had a kid, too. So it was that that really sucks. Um, and, I'm, and of course, I'm still praying for the Botham Jean family. Um, really sucks that, you know, this situation was so bad for them that, you know, they had to displace and move. Um, but, yeah, um, we're going to take a, a quick break real quick. And then I'm going to come back with um, 
what I felt about the final court decision and do if I felt, you know, Botham Jean got adequate justice or not. So So when discussing the actual case and what went down and if, you know, Mr. Jean received justice for his um for just being murdered, did he receive his justice? And for me, um before I um explicitly uh, answered the que- uh, answer the question, um, <clears throat> what I love to when it comes to principled conversation, and you know just how things should go over the across the board, you know, you know, I love bringing up uh, the Noam Chomsky rule, and um, a lot of you guys who listen to this podcast are uh, flaming leftists, so you guys know who Noam Chomsky <laughs> is. But um, for the people who don't, um. Uh, Noam Chomsky is basically a a, a theorist oh, for uh, a theorist who's been a theorist, a, a historian, a political strategist. Um, it's just, just he's a lot of things, an author, and um, um, he usually uh believes in like very left leaning uh non intervention foreign diplomacy policies, like on some like um um libertarian socialism or libertarian leftism. Uh, that's really what he embodied. And so, uh, he also had this rule where it's it's just basically the universal rule of, okay, let's put the situation in, in the opposite court. Let let's give the ball, uh, let's put the ball in the opposite side of the court. Basically, you know, what would have happened if the situations were inverted. And so, when it comes to principal conversations of all types, I, I usually apply that because it, it's usually a healthy way for me to see, you know, what I'm feeling is wrong or what am I feeling is right. You know, it, it's just a, a really great way to see if I'm, I'm being principled in a situation. Um, and and, and, and uh, I really advise everybody to use the Noam Chomsky rule to make to any time they're just questioning, questioning it, uh, how if they're being principled in a situation or not. But um, basically, with the Noam Chomsky rule, I looked at it with this bone, this Botham Jean uh, case, and what I uh, seen was is that okay, if we put Amber Geiger, Amber Geiger, which is gonna say for the case of the illustration, um, if we put it her in the plaintiff's position, and she was the one who died, and Botham Jean was the one who shot her on accident. Matter of fact, let's go play by play. Both of them, Gene, he's tired. He he had a long day of work, not inebriated, not off of anything, but he just had a long day of work. And, you know, he accidentally goes to the wrong floor. But he goes to his apartment, that's you, his apartment lineup, but it's not on his floor. And so he sees that the door is ajar. And you know he have he has a, a you know a concealed carry license, so he has his gun on him, and thinking that it's still his house, he opens it and shoots this lady, you know, uh, dead. And then after shooting this lady dead, instead of immediately calling the cops or calling nine one one. She he 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 panics and calls somebody else like his friend or his girlfriend or something, 
And so allowing more time to pass, more blood to be, you know, lost. So this person, you know, just could keep, you know, dying, essentially. So what would have happened to both them, Gene, in that situation? Now, I know my neo-revolutionaries are going to be like, oh, he black, he black. He black, so he he gonna get he was gonna he gonna get death he gonna get death. <laughs> well, it, 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 in 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 to them, I'm not taking that off the table as well. But with this Noam Chomsky rule, we can observe it and say legally, the cards are all would already be stacked up against Botham Jean. You see, because in the state of Texas, you automatically qu- qualify. <laughs> For first degree or capital murder, if you kill an uh, officer in uniform, you automatically. So even if he killed her on accident and didn't mean it, the neglect that he had in that situation would have led to a capital murder charge. So when uh, observing that and observing <laughs> the capital, how the capital murder charge didn't have a, 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 a sudden passion. It wouldn't have had sudden passion because it would just been looked at, at as him killing an officer in uniform, even though it was on accident, right? So he will automatically get fifteen to twenty years. All the Botham Gene family was asking for was, uh, uh, um, I think uh, it was a, a maximum of 28 or a minimum, minimum I know it was a, uh, yeah, a, a minimum of 28 years, 26 years. So, you know, if Botham Gene committed that crime, though, he would be doing the exact same time. And for the judge to even throw in sudden passion, like, what the hell? This cop was neglectful throughout the whole situation. She didn't immediately call the cops. She just stood there as the man died and then contacted somebody else. And then we we could just talk about how logical the 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 number one thing she did is like okay before, like throughout all this she didn't even check like the apartment number, bro, or she didn't check like And then when you factor in those pissy, racist, chauvinist conversations she had through through the text message, when she laughed about the MLK assassination, when she, you know, <sighs> saying that she was just ready to get this shit over, you know, just her tone and her voice when she was on that stand, you know, it was just like, now you're giving us the crocodile tears, man. After we just seen the text message where you were you where you was making fun of the MLK assassination. When you prior to the situation had plethora of situations where you're being neglectful, when you were being a neglectful cop, and it costed you. But now all she, you know, for all this she has done, she only gets ten years in the mandatory five. People have to understand a part of 
reforming our policemen, reforming our criminal justice reform is, you know, tackling the issue of police brutality. Um, And part of that isn't just... isn't just having these cops go to a training um after they accidentally kill somebody like no it's it's more comprehensive than that people need to literally like we literally need to stop military militarizing our de- our police department there's no reason why you know everybody in the police department should have you know lethal weapons you know such as guns on them you know at all times you know it it just makes no sense um, and it, it it also makes no sense that, you know, that we, we, we turn around and treat, well, not we, cause I'm black. Cause I never treated the police. <laughs> I never treated a police officer. Like I'm, uh, I'm black, but you know, for some reason, conservatives, they treat policemen with this honor and this respect and this um, uh, as them being these heroes with intrepid, you know, courage, and you know, and 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 I'll say that there's some merit to that, you know, you know, being a cop, you it does take, you know, courage. Um, being anything that involves silver surface takes courage, really. Um, same thing with being a firefighter, and so I'm not gonna, you know, discredit that merit, but when evaluating and and when you understand. And when you understand that, just as we give them all this praise, we also have to give them the same amount of accountability. So it's like we'll praise them so much, but when it's time to hold them accountable, those same conservatives are like, oh, well, you know, we can't do that. That's bad. And, you know... A part of changing in, 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 in dealing with police brutality is being harsher on police officers who neglect, who, who act in negligence. If an officer acts in negligence more than one time, that man, a police officer literally has a gun. If an officer acts in negligence more than one time, that person, that cop, whether it be female or male, needs to exit the force immediately after that. We need to start having tougher restrictions on, on these police officers. And then when it comes to actually serving these police officers, police officers who do act uh, outside of justice, when it comes to you know, actually charging them, we need to do away with all these police union union laws and all these police union legalities that have been molded over the years to protect police officers. No, they should be on the stand just like everyone else. There's no way a police officer should have the ability to look at their crime or their investigation as it's happening. We have to take. We got to change all this shit if we're talking about changing police brutality. And you know, when we're talking about, because I've seen a lot of people who were, you know, black liberals be like, you know, well, let's just get black people in the in the thing. Then, in in a, in a, let's just get black people in our judicial system and our, our police department, and that's gonna fix everything. And and and. 
this situation kind of proves that <laughs> those tanky leftists are totally right. You know, what we need more is just than what we need more than just black everything is socially progressive everything. <laughs> we have to ensure that everybody we elect to something is socially progressive. But here's the thing. For a while, people always think people have been thinking progressive is a social identity. And it's not. Just because you're black doesn't make you socially progressive. Just because you're gay doesn't make you socially progressive. You know, uh, just because you're Native American, that doesn't make you socially progressive. Now, you can be a super oppressed demographic, and it could be kind of ironic when you're not socially progressive, but that that's not the end-all, end be-all of what a progressive is. It's not a no. So, when it comes to that, yes, these left tankies are right. Putting black people in our judicial system isn't going to help our judicial system for black people. No, because then those black people will just be corrupt by the just judicial system and see how much power these people in the judicial system actually hold and have over the people. So what we understanding that what we have to do is implement, make sure we implement social progressives across the board, even in our police department, implement democratic socialists, social democrats everywhere. And then soon as we do that, we can hold them accountable for actual social, social, social ideologies. Because you try to tell me that Dallas court judge isn't just a bit progressive. Most likely she's Democrat because she's black. So most likely she's Democrat. But even when you observe, even when you we understand that, you know, we understand that there's a lot of black Democrats who are really still socially conservative. So. As far as culturally, culturally, very culturally conservative. So this case is upsetting overall. Um, is it OK that this woman, you know, got, you know, time? Yeah, it's it's, it's cool that she got time because um, I think only five cases um, since like the year 2000 have been police case five cases of dealing with police brutality only five police officers have been charged with actual murder so i mean this is good this is good um uh that's good um but well again when evaluating the noam chomsky rule using the noam chomsky rule um it wasn't equal this this punishment wasn't equal and what i would say is that legal realism was used more by the judge to help this cop than anything else. Um, you know, the fact that the Castell doctrine was thrown in there, you know, stuff like that. And so real upsetting situation, but it's like this sentence was a backhanded compliment. You know, this whole sentence was a, a just a backhanded compliment. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna put her in jail, but only for a mandatory five years. Um, but again, I, I really want to know what you guys think about this whole situation. What's your opinion? Um, do you feel like he got adequate justice? And um, 
I can throw in another question in there. Uh, do you guys feel that um, Joshua Brown uh, murder uh, is connected to the Dallas Police Department? Um, let me know what you guys think. Um, I would love to hear you what you guys have to say about uh, those two matters. Um, like I said, very perplexing stuff going on, man. Uh, just across the board, very baffling. Um, but tell me, got tell me how you guys feel. Um, if you guys have any questions or suggestions, hit us up on all of our social media accounts. That's E to the Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, just hit us up. Uh, tell us how you like the episodes, and if you want to come on an episode, um, just hit us up. Um, well, I I want to really start doing this thing for uh community organizers in my city and so there's a lot of people who are starting things up um i know you guys know tristan and demarcus at shades of blue um but uh there's a lot there's other community organizers who also want to start youtube also want to start podcasts and so really man we're we're um trying to make a left safe haven for southeast texas and for just really texas in general you know, um, but for just cities like small towns like this, and so far it's working, it's working, so, um, thank you guys for tuning in, I already held you guys up long enough, peace.